minimalists. <laughs> All right, y'all. Welcome back to live stream. This is live stream number twelve. Oh my goodness, it's been a year already. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Well, you do one a month, right? We do do one a month. Did you just say to do? <laughs> so we're gonna record this on my phone so we can get this out today because we promised everyone we'd have it out by the end of July. We also have Jordan here. He's recording on on actual real cameras. And uh, we're doing the audio, so the audio will eventually come out later this month. But we want to be respectful of your time, so let's dive into these questions. You all, Patreon supporters, you submitted your questions, and then you upvoted your favorite questions. So we'll get to as many of these questions as we can, the most popular ones. The first one is from Sierra. Sierra says, how do you both perceive marriage now that you're post-divorce and you're in love with your current partners? Could you see yourselves as, quote, legally or religiously, however you perceive it, binding yourself to a partner again through marriage? Uh, I mean, so, so I think there are two different things. I, I don't like the fact that government's involved in marriage personally. Like, yeah, it's kind of lame. I think it's a, it's a strange thing. Like, if you decide to sign this piece of paper, then we will give you certain tax breaks depending on what state you live on and what your yeah. income is. And it, I, I want the government completely out of my marriage. Here's what I'll say, though. Um... Depending on who I'm dealing with culturally, I will often just refer, because it's easier, I refer to Bex as my wife, even, yeah. even though you know, we're not uh, legally married in the state, we're also, we're not part of a church, so we're not <coughs> married in the, the church uh, religious sense either. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what Ryan and I have is we both have partners, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and with those partners, we have a commitment to those partners. And I don't need a piece of paper. I don't need to write down that commitment and sign it for that to be a commitment. I think your best answer is when people say, uh, you know, are you ever going to get married? And then you'll say, no, oh, why not? And then your answer is like, well, I'm just not religious. <laughs> and, like, that's that's what it comes down to a lot of the time is, yeah. is beliefs and, and values. And, like, we don't have anything against marriage. It's not like... We are recommending people get married or don't get married. Mm -hmm. It's more about, like, what is alignment with your values. Um, yeah, for me, man, like, if if there's some, like, if I'm going to save 50 grand a year being married, then maybe I might think about, you know, getting that certificate so right. the government's going to take less money. Um, but, 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 you know, even that is a technicality. It's like, Mariah and I are committed. Right. We have an monogamous relationship. I'd marry having, you for fifty grand. Yeah, a year. that's what I'm saying. I was just gonna say that, like, dude, yeah. If it was, if it was dependent on you and I having a certificate to save us fifty grand a year, like, okay. Yeah, that, that sounds great. But but the, the it's it's really strange to me. And so, yes, I'm I'm not opposed to marriage for other people. What what I'm actually for isn't marriage. I'm for commitment. And that's commitment to you as, as my best friend, as my business partner. It's commitment to Bex as as my partner. But commitment also means being willing to reevaluate mm -hmm. because the things that are working in our relationship today that may change, and so our relationship might change over time. And I'm also open to it not being a forever thing. Mm -hmm. And Bex and I want to make sure that we're both completely committed to this. And commitment doesn't come down to well, we said we would you know, until death do us part. No, let's let's continuously reevaluate this because the the true commitment is my willingness to being able to walk away yeah. from anything. And that means whatever I am in, whatever I'm involved in, I know I can walk away from it at any time, so I better be fully committed to it in the now. Yeah, I mean our our views on on marriage, it's what's well, just that, dude. It's our views and it's our opinion. Right. What <clears throat> what matters most is 
what does marriage mean to you? It doesn't matter what it means to Josh and I. Um, but yeah, I, dude, I, I, uh, I do introduce Mariah as my wife, uh, call her my spouse equivalent. Um, but like you said, dude, like having that ability to walk away, um, as a minimalist, I really value that. Mm-hmm. And, and being married, you are forced into a relationship. It is, it is, it is, uh, forcing yourself into a relationship. And I'll be honest, man, like waking up every day and like having that choice of like, yes, like, I, just this morning, dude, I was like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe I get to wake up next to you. It is amazing yeah. that, like, I get to wake up next to you and that you're in my life every day. And that feels so good. That's appreciation. Yeah, dude, I don't want to ever wake up and be like, well, you're here because we're married now. And It's granted. You don't want to take that for granted. Yeah, man. And it's funny, uh, Bex and I were just in Nashville. We, we just finished the Simply Southern tour. And... Uh, we both were going to different cities afterwards. She was going back to Missoula. Mm-hmm. I was coming here to Los Angeles. And when she was flying, I sent her a text while she was on the plane. And I said, hey, I just want to say thank you for your time, your attention, your energy. I know you put a lot into this relationship. And I want you to know that it doesn't go unnoticed. And I appreciate you. And she's like, wow, this is a beautiful message to you know, land to. And that co- type of commitment is not an obligation. Mm-hmm. I feel like I get the opportunity to have that type of commitment, but also it means you know. Here, here's what I'll say about about Bex or about our our relationship is we have a really great relationship, and and it works really well for us right now. Mm-hmm. And if she decides that it's no longer working for her, or I decide it's no longer working for me, then we can talk to each other about that. We can see if we can change it, or if not, we can also be willing to go our separate ways, and we can appreciate. The fact that we had a great relationship for that period of time. Maybe it's just a chapter. And maybe that chapter is a really long chapter and it's the rest of my life. But I want to be able to continue to reevaluate that so I never do take it for granted. Well, dude, Chris Hogan, he talks about the have-to versus the want-to when it comes to money. And it makes me think about the have-to versus the want-to when it comes to a relationship. Now, granted, there are a lot of people out there who are married and they want to. Like, I'm not saying that everyone who is married is in that have-to state. But... If you ever move away from that one-two state and you're married, you are stuck in a have-to state. Not I don't, a good place to I don't be. ever want to be forced into a have-to state. No. I like being in a one-two. But again, that's just that's our two cents. Take it for what it is, you know? Our next question is from Taryn. Taryn asks... What I've, does Taryn ask, Josh? I've really working live a minimalist lifestyle of the past year. In this journey... <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. I know there are words on the page. Dude, you guys upvoted this. <laughs> this is the second most popular question. All right, uh, just do a little editing on okay. the Okay, uh, I don't know what that first sentence said at all. Okay. In this journey, I've realized that my spouse and I do not share a lot of the same values, and I'm struggling to find common ground. How do I know if this is something we can work out, or if it's something I should walk away from? It's a marriage of 15 years. I have one child who's four years old. Dude, the, it is... I, I hate answering these questions mm-hmm. because I don't ever want to look at someone and be like, you must leave this person right. or you must stay with this person. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's a very difficult thing to talk about. Two things. Walking away from this marriage is going to be really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Second thing, staying in this marriage is going to be really, really hard. I don't know which is the right answer for you and it may... You may not know until you figure out in, in retrospect. I know for me, 
walking away from my marriage after being with the same person for eight years, and you had been in the marriage before that as well, walking away from that that marriage was one of the best things I had ever done. Mm. And also, it eventually was one of the best things for my former spouse. In fact, our relationship now between me and Carrie is a much better relationship it really than is. it was when we were married. Yeah. Last time I was in Ohio, we got to hang out. She has four kids now, two of which are her biological twins. She is also in a marriage now with uh, her, her husband has two kids from a previous marriage. So she has four girls in the house. She has exactly the life that she wanted. So they just bought their dream house together. They're living the life that she wanted to live because her values are different from mine. Mm. And I realized that the longer we stayed together, I was either going to be dragging her in my direction and it would be opposing her values, or she was going to be dragging me in her direction and it would be in direct opposition to what my values were. Now here's the, what you have to get clear on. Do you truly have different values? And if so, one of you is going to have to make some sort of compromise if you want to stay in this. And compromising your values does not make for a meaningful life. However, you may just have different beliefs. Ryan, you and I have different beliefs about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Political beliefs, spiritual beliefs, sure. uh, food beliefs. Um, I don't believe in food. <laughs> See? Not my food. <laughs> and, 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 and what I've learned is because you, have, you and I have different beliefs, we have different paths to get to the same values. And the reason our relationship can work with our different preferences, our different desires, our different hobbies and different interests is because we have the same values. We just get there via different paths. So I think what Tara needs to figure out is do they actually have different conflicting values? And if so, then yeah, you might have to walk away. But if you have different beliefs, then maybe you can get to the same paths. You can just help each other. Or you can get to the same destination. You can help each other down different paths. Yeah, I totally agree. The only thing I would add to that is if you, there's an us box, and if you have been putting into that us box and, and compromising and and, and, and trying to support your partner and they're not throwing anything back into that us box, they're just taking, 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 I mean, that relationship is going to go only so far. Right. Um, yeah, it's it, like, like Josh said, staying is going to be hard, leaving is going to be hard. Uh, the right decision is it really comes down to it comes down to what well, I want to say what is going to what means the most meaningful life for yourself but maybe you got kids you got to think about they do they have one one four-year-old child but yeah. here's the thing so you got to think about what's the most meaningful life for your kid too staying in a and my partner Rebecca would be the first person to tell you this staying in a relationship only for a child is one of the worst reasons to stay in a yeah. relationship if it's the only reason yes yes absolutely yeah. it's not it, here, here's a better here's a better way to say it. it's not a reason mm. staying in a relationship for a child because here's what happens if you're there's constant fighting what kind of example are you setting for that right. child if there, there's constant tension in the household what kind of example are you setting for your child I know that Rebecca has a much more meaningful life now she had the same thing she walked away from a marriage she actually realized that marriage wasn't right for her the day she had Ella mm -hmm. can you imagine having to deal with both impulses like this impulse of like I want to I want to parent this child but also this is not the right circumstance yeah. in which parenting, to, in which I should parent a child. There's so many follow-up questions I want to ask. <laughs> this, who, who is it? Taryn. I really want to ask follow-up questions for Taryn. Because it's like, it, it depends too, like how long has this been going on? I mean, if this is something that she just realized, then you've got to do your best. You've got to put your best foot forward to try and fix it. If it's been going on for 10 years mm -hmm. and nothing has changed, well then, yeah, you might have to leave. But 
have you tried everything in, within those 10 years? Yeah, some things can't be fixed. And, and I Absolutely. Think, I think it's a, if you total your car and it explodes, you can't try to fix it. It's, it's totaled. And is this relationship totaled? It might be. You know, half of marriages end in divorce. Half of them end in divorce. How many of them... How many of them haven't ended, but they should be divorced? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, by the way, I was in one of the... Until I got divorced, until Rebecca got divorced, for many years, her and I were both in relationships that should have already ended in divorce, and we just prolonged it. And so sometimes, I, I mean, we in uh, the podcast, we, we actually just recorded a podcast episode, and we talked about regret, and it was a postscript episode for our Patreon supporters. And, and when we talked about regret... One of the things I often regret is not doing something sooner. And you have to confront the reality of the situation. You have to confront yourself. Mm. And quite often, we're worried about hurting someone else's feelings. And in the process, we hurt ourselves. We suffer so that someone else doesn't feel the hurt in the moment. But guess what? They end up feeling hurt in the long term as well. They're going to feel hurt eventually. If, in fact, it's going to be far more magnified if you continue to postpone mm. the pain. I just had something. You tell me if this is crazy or not. I just had a thought enter my my brain here. Uh, a life, a life of compromise. That's to me. That's a living life. Like there are always going to be compromises we have to make. Yeah. Whether it's uh, you know. Um, we have a budget. Are we going to eat here? Are we going to eat? I mean, there are all these little compromises we're going to have to make in life. Sure. So li- living living a life full of compromises, well, that, that, to me, that's just living life. Living a life of, what did you say earlier? Suffering. Mm. Living a life of suffering is not living at all. So the question is, is that, that I would be asking, if I was Taryn, is, is do I, am I going to have to live a life of compromises or am I going to have to live a life of suffering if I stay with this person? There will always be pain. There doesn't have to be suffering. We can learn from that pain yes. and not allow it to carry forward. Jordan, how are we doing over there? Doing good. I see you moving on a whole bunch of right. cameras and stuff. I just want to make sure we're, we're still recording. All right. We have another question here. Shannon says, my family, my husband and two kids, are debt-free, but we live with my mom due to her health issues and financial issues. She has a mortgage loan, home equity loan, and credit card debt. And we pay her mortgage and all of her expenses associated with the house. My husband and I know we don't like being homeowners, but my mom doesn't want to sell her house. So how do we accept that we're stuck in this house when it causes us financial and personal stress due to the loan and all the hidden costs and issues a house has. This one's easy for me. Dude, it's easy for me too, man. Go for it. Well, I'm going to recommend uh, I'm going to recommend Chris Hogan's book. I know this is, doesn't sound like it, but his book called Retired Inspired. Um, it, it's just talking about living a good uh, life and making good financial decisions so you can have a good retired life. But one of the sections in his book, he talks about this exact scenario. Mm. We are not other people's problems. Other uh, financial problems, I should say. Sorry, we are not uh, my pro- my financial pro- problems are not your financial problems, right? And vice versa. And he does a beautiful job of expressing. I wish I could even paraphrase it, but I can't. Um, I, I can't remember it that well. But he just does a beautiful job of explaining how uh, we our parents' financial woes are not our financial woes. Mm. And if we decide to take those on, um, if anything, we're just enabling yes. our parents to make That's exactly bad it. decisions. So, um, 
oh my god, I just want to tell like I want to tell her to like cut off the payments now. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like your your mom has gotten herself into this. Imagine if your mom's out of it. Imagine like let's just say that you and your husband bought a house, and you're in over your head and you can't afford to make the payments. Are you going to look towards your mom to to make payments? Are you going to look towards someone else to make the payments? No. Like you're you're going to either have to find a way to make the payments, or you're going to have to uh, foreclose on that house. Right. And and that's. I, I, man, I, I hate to say it like that because it sounds so brutal. It sounds mean to be like, dude, your mom's going to have to foreclose on her house. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But, but you have one or two options. You can either continue to pay her mortgage or you're going to have to help her accept the fact that she cannot afford to have this house. Now, if you choose to pay the mortgage, great. Keep paying the mortgage, but don't complain about it. Yeah. Shannon, you want to take care of your mom. And Absolutely. Enable, enabling her is not the same way. It's not the same thing as taking care of her. Right. And the way that you can take care of her is by letting her know that if you're the one helping out, that you're also the one. If you're making the financial, if you have the financial burden, then you are the one making the financial decisions for the household. Now it's going to be stressful. It's going to be a difficult conversation. But you know what's going to be more difficult? Continuing to pay in perpetuity for a mortgage that you do not want. It is not worth sticking this out for another. How, how much longer are you going to keep paying this mortgage? I mean, how, how many years are left? 15, 20 years? Yeah. You want to do this for the next 20 years because you're scared to have a difficult conversation about, hey, I'm no longer willing to do this anymore because I do want to help you. And the best way for me to help you is to not put myself in a bind, not put myself in a situation that is a burden for our entire family because you have a particular preference. Yes, putting you and your family into chaos does not help your mother with her chaos. By the way, you saying you're saying you're debt free. You're not debt free if you're obligated to pay her mortgage. Yeah. It has now become your mortgage by proxy. And yeah, like I just want to reiterate, like we're not trying to sound cold. There's nothing easy about this situation, but but you've got to t- either take responsibility for making the payment, and great, you take that responsibility. Don't complain about it. You've made that you've made that choice to pay for your mother's mortgage. That's that's great, commendable, awesome that you're taking her financial b- burden. But you cannot complain about it, or you have to have that difficult conversation so your your mom can can take responsibility for her financial burden. Yeah, and also she doesn't she doesn't owe you anything. I think you want to put that you you should probably put that out there. You don't want her to go into debt further for you. Like, and, and you I don't want you. To, here's the weird thing. Like, I don't loan friends money, and, and I will give money to friends mm-hmm. if they absolutely need it. But if I loan someone money, it totally changes the dynamic of our relationship. Yeah. All of a sudden, and the same thing if I borrow money from, from someone, now all of a sudden I feel like there's some sort of tension or strain in the relationship. And that's mm-hmm. what, Shannon, that's what you're experiencing right now. You're experiencing that tension. You're experiencing that strain. And the way to, to heal the tension is to no longer have this expectation. Yeah. The stress that you're feeling, the anxiety that you're feeling, I mean, this is an indicator that something's wrong. Our next question is from Mariah. Mariah asks... Wait a minute. (laughs) How did Ryan get to be so handsome? I don't think this is your... Actually, no, it's not Mariah. It's Maria. Oh. Never mind. Our next question is from Maria. Maria asks, what is the future of minimalism? History goes in cycles. So do you think there will be a cultural reaction against minimalism at some point. Man, I, I hope we have that problem someday. Like Everyone has become such minimalist and we're all living so intentionally. There's some sort of counter-cultural backlash. But right now, minimalism is counter the culture. Yeah. Minimalism is, is counter the, the 
uh, unabashed, unadulterated, unstoppable consumerism. I mean, you just walk down Sunset Boulevard or Hollywood Boulevard or, or any of the boulevards here in Los Angeles, Melrose, and you, you see uh, consumerism. There's nothing wrong with buying stuff, but man, I hope we get to a culture someday where minimalism becomes the norm. It's certainly not something I'm, I'm worried about. Now, she did say uh, uh, history repeats itself. That is true. Minimalism itself is not a new idea. You can go back to the Stoics. You can go back to Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius or Seneca and you can see their ideas for simple living or intentional living. You can go back to Jesus or the Buddha or Muhammad or Hinduism and you can find ideas for simple living. You can go back to the transcendentalists, Emerson and Thoreau and you can find ideas for simple living. What is new is the problem. And our problem right now is consumerism. We have more access to more stuff than we ever have in the all of human history. It's been 13.7 billion years since the universe was created and never have we had access to more stuff than right now today. And so minimalism is an old solution to a new problem. Preach! Our next question is from Julian. Julian asks, can you recommend books and any other resources that helped you in identifying your foundational values? Uh, so, mm. our book, uh, Minimalism of a Meaningful Life, talks about... <laughs> well, that totally helped me when, we, when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> it talks about the five values, right? Health, relationships, uh, passion or creativity, yeah. and then contribution and growth. And um, so, I have a resource for you. It's not a book, but you can go to my partner's website. Uh, her, her name is Rebecca. And she runs a website called Minimal Wellness. You go to minimalwellness.com slash values. There's a sort of one-page sheet there that will help you identify what your values are. Because there are other types of values other than the foundational values. So I think that's a good place to start. But, Ryan, when you're looking at your values, mm -hmm. are, are there any books that you've read or any other resources that Man, helped you figure out how, how to be a better person? I cannot remember, like, the Tony Robbins books that I read or listened to or seminars that I listened to. Yeah. Uh, but I know, like, a lot of his... Uh, his words talk about finding your values and and making sure that you are um, aware of those. And I, I, I want to say, what is the hierarchy needs? Who's is that? Who, which person? It's not Maslow. Yes. Uh -huh. So he talks about those hierarchy needs and how we all have these certain needs, these certain uh, values, or these certain desires mm -hmm. that every single one of us has. Now. Um, I don't. I can't list them all out. But as an example, uh, certainty and uncertainty. We both need a little certainty. We both need uncertainty. Josh, he needs more certainty than I need, and I need more uncertainty than Josh needs. I like spontaneity. I like living in the moment. Josh likes things to be organized. He needs things to be a little bit more certain. So being able to identify uh, those those wants. And which are most important to me? Yeah, those, those are Tony Robbins six six human needs. Yeah, so looking at those six human needs, it helps me to uh, really craft. Like looking at my top needs helps me to craft what my actions are to meet those needs. The other one book I will recommend, I've recommend, I think I recommended this like two weeks ago, uh, The Power of Now, um, Eckhart Tolle. What's what help? The reason why that helped me with my values is because. That book helped me understand the the the, the voice in my head mm -hmm. that is like driving me. It's oh, Ryan. Why are you doing this, Ryan? Why don't you want to do this, Ryan? What do you like that voice we all have that is driving us? Mm -hmm. It really helped me to understand 
uh, what that, where that voice was coming from, but also helped me to dig deeper into why my voice was that way. And once I got, got to the why behind that voice, it also helped me uncover some of my values. I have uh, two commencement speeches I'm going to recommend, both of which you can find in print, and I have three books I'm going to recommend. Uh, first commencement speech is it's in a book now. It's called This is Water by David Foster Wallace. He gave this uh, speech at Kenyon College. And then a few years after that, David Fr uh, uh, Jonathan Franzen gave uh, a commencement speech there as well. And um, it's in his book called Farther Away. And uh, it's an essay about, well, our, our priorities and, and also how we deal with technology with respect to love and our values. Mm -hmm. uh, both of those are, were immensely helpful in helping me shape my, my values. Uh, three books I'm going to recommend. Number one is Lying by Sam Harris. It's a really short book. You can read it in less than an hour. But it'll help you reframe um, lying and especially the white lies. You know, I won't even tell Ella that Santa Claus is real because mm -hmm. I won't lie to her about that. If I start lying to her about that, what else can I lie to her about in the future? Um, uh, another book is um, uh, Rob Bell. Uh, uh, man, well, I'm blanking on the title. Um, is it uh, How to Be Here? How to Be Here, thank you. Yeah. I was going to say Be Here Now, but that's not it. How to Be Here. It's a great um, one. I, don't, I, I buy that book by the case and I hand it out. Uh, another book I buy by the case and hand out is a book called uh, Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. Mm -hmm. And that'll help you get really clear on how you can help other people solve their problems as opposed to just trying to make money. Well, what I like about Anything You Want is it makes you secure with your with your preferences, I guess, or with your values, maybe that's a better way of saying it. Uh -huh. Like, it's okay that your values are different than other people's. It's yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you can form a detente with that so that you can move forward effectively. So those are uh, two commencement speeches and three books that I would recommend. Our next question is from Corey. Corey says, I'm always stressing and looking for inspiring work. Could your job be the drudgery and the paycheck? And what you do outside of work be the reward slash passion? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I, I think so. Dude, if like the internet blew up and our books spontaneously combusted, I'd, I'd go be a barista somewhere. And it's not because I just love coffee. I do love coffee, but being a barista every day, it's eventually going to be a job. As long as, long as what you're doing doesn't conflict with the person you want to be. Right. I think back to us in the corporate world. You and I, we were doing something that was no longer no longer aligned with the people that we yeah. wanted to be. And it didn't give us time. No. Like being a barista, dude, I would totally have time to yeah. go out and live up to what I really value. And, and yes, working 30, 40 hours a week, I'd have time to go to the soup kitchen. I'd have time to spend with friends and family. In the corporate world, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, not only did it not align with my values and beliefs, it didn't give me any free time to focus on those beliefs or on those values. Yeah. So, so I think that... You need to make sure what you're doing to earn a paycheck the paycheck doesn't conflict with the person you want to be. Mm -hmm. But it's absolutely admirable. Go back and listen to our Hobbies podcast. I think it was episode 128. We recorded it with Paul Johnson from Kenya City. And he talked about when he started making a full-time living off of music, how it actually killed the thing that he loved. And so he had to stop because he was writing jingles for like corporations and stuff. And he wasn't allowing him to make the music he wanted to make. So he went back to working at Home Depot so that he could make the music that he wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And so that Home Depot job didn't conflict with his values, but it gave him the time, it freed up the time, so his music was uh, no longer driven by the profit motive. Yeah. And eventually, now he makes a full-time living off of making music 
because eventually he was able to, to transition that, that hobby into something that did make money for him as opposed to trying to make money off of a hobby. Alright, our next question is from Joan. Joan says, do you see consumerism and debt going down in the United States anytime soon? I wish. No, I don't. I mean, it's. I wish that, like, yeah, minimalism was meaningless or 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 not meaningless as much as irrelevant. Yeah, where all of a sudden we got rid of the national debt and all consumer debt was wiped clean. Here, here's the thing. Do I see it broadly ha happening? No. Do I see it happening for you? Yes, it's certainly possible. Uh, what was so inspiring? We were with Dave Ramsey recently. We were on his show, and and being able to to talk to him and talk to the people who were there doing their debt-free screams. Maybe consumerism is out of control for some people, but not for these people who are getting out of debt. I love that, dude. So it's totally possible for you, I even love if that the debt's going out. Like, yes, consumerism and debt, it is going by the wayside for you. Yes. As a culture, probably not. And you don't have to worry about everyone else, uh, especially until you get your own house in order. Our last question here is from Alexander. Alexander says, Hi, Joshua and Ryan. Hello. I'm not sure if this question is related to minimalism, but personally, I find it interesting to discuss. What would you do if you knew you had only one year left to live? Would it change your priorities or goals slash direction in life? Man, um, I think about this every year, actually. I would eat ice cream every day. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, I, I actually, I would well, not. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't because of how, like, if you ate ice cream every day, uh -huh. it would make you feel like shit. Right, right. And so, um, I wouldn't change a thing. And I already think about this question every year. I mean, you and I tend to work on one thing. I don't have a big plan for where I'm going to be 10 years from now. You know, if I were to sit down and do an interview with someone, I'd probably do a real poor job because they'd ask me, what's your 10-year plan? And I'd be like, I don't know. But I do know what I'm working on this year. And everything I do serves that. And so I wouldn't change anything this year if I just had one year left to live. Because I'm already living my life right now like I have one year left to live. Come on, dude. You go buy that house in Malibu. Get a 30, you get a 40-year mortgage they're doing now. Come on. Admit it. I get a 200-year mortgage. Why not? <laughs> you know what, dude? It's funny because if, like, if someone told me I had only a year left to live, uh -huh. um... I wouldn't change anything only because, if anything, I would try to be healthier mm -hmm. because I would be like, bullshit, I got only a year left to live. I'm going to defy you. I'm going to defy you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to live two more years. Right. And and I think for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, is this the best use of my time? So I spend a lot of time by myself alone right now. But So if I had one year left to live, would I want to spend more time with the people close to me, I would want to, but I would know it wouldn't be the best use of that time because right now, that time alone allows me to be the best version of myself when I'm with Bex, when I'm with you, when I'm hanging out with Jordan when we're on tour. Like, I'm the better version of myself because of that alone time. So I would still need the appropriate amount of alone time. Otherwise, I'd just be a crappy version of myself for the next year. And is that how I want people to remember me? No, I'd still continue to write every day. I continue, I'd still continue to do this podcast. i still continue to create things that I find to be meaningful. And so I think it's really important because when you and I were in the corporate world, think about this, Ryan. Can you imagine answering this question like, yes, of course I keep doing this. Exactly. I keep trying to sell cell phones to seven-year-olds. I would keep trying to get people to add a fifth line onto their account. I would uh, keep working 80 hours a week. Right, can I upsell you to the voice dictation? Thing? Yeah. I, I would keep trying to upsell customers on things they didn't need. 
No, I, I wouldn't keep living my life like that. But now that I, I'm living a life that's congruent with the person I want to be, all of a sudden, the answer's still, I would live this life that I'm living right now. Man, I don't feel like this question would be at 100% of the time, but this is a good question to ask ourselves with everything. Like, or I should, I should say, this is a good question for everyone to ask themselves. Uh, that's the way I meant to say it. Yes. But what I mean is that, you know, anyone watching this right now, if you had only a year left to live, would you keep doing what you're doing right now for the next year? And if not, what would you change? Yeah. And if you would change it, why not start changing it now? The reason why that's not apt to every single person in every single situation is because there are that year of 2014 for touring, mm -hmm. like that was serving a greater purpose. Yeah, it was leading into what we're doing now in 2018. To me, it was apt then, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I actually thought about this at the beginning of that year. If I, I literally thought if I, if this was my last year on Earth, would I be doing this? Mm -hmm. And the answer was yes. Of now, course, I, I, I didn't have a family at the time. Uh, it was right before I met Bex, and and so my life was different. And at that time. If that was my last year on Earth, what a ma amazing last year! Oh yeah, Earth. dude, absolutely. I, uh, now, now, 2006. What happened in 2006? Exactly. <laughs> Imagine if that was your last year on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. what a disappointment! So true. Yeah, but I, I guess what I was saying is that there are there are things that uh, we do put ourselves in to, to like that. You know, the year of. Um, when I when we started the website and I was working, going to school, and writing for the website, I mean that's not that was not sustainable. Right. Um, but you know what, dude? I would have quit my job and I quit school, but I still would have been writing for the minimalists. Yeah. 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 And so you would have at least been moving towards something more meaningful. So I think that's the question ultimately is, if this isn't the life that you want to live, how do you move towards something more meaningful? All right, y'all. That's it for this one. Uh, live stream number 12, we're going to send out another email, I think tomorrow, looking for more questions for live stream 13 for August, so stay tuned for that. Thank you all for being a Patreon supporter, we really appreciate it, we'll see you next time. Bye! The Minimalists. <laughs>